Tonight, we begin with the narration on the authority of Anas ibn Malik. Radiyallahu an, qala, asawra ilayya al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sirran, famakhbartu bihi ahadan ba'da. وَلَقَدْ سَأَلَتْنِي أُمْ سُلَيْمِ فَمَا أَخْبَرْتُهَا بِهِ وَفِي رِوَايَةٍ لِمُسْلَمْ قَوْلْ أُمْ سُلَيْمِ لَا تُحَدِّثَنَّ بِسَرِّ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم أحدا أنس بن مالك May Allah be pleased with him He said that the Prophet ﷺ confided in me a secret. And I did not inform anyone of this secret after him. And Umm Sulaim, she surely asked me, and I did not inform her about it. In another narration in the Sahih of Imam Muslim, the statement of Umm Sulaim radiallahu anha Do not ever inform anyone about the secret of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This narration, barakallahu fikum, establishes the importance of preserving trust. If someone confides in you a matter that they want to be kept private, then it is from Islam that the person does not spread that information to people. 
it is from Islam that the person does not spread that information to people because the preservation of the amana is an obligation and here we have Anas bin Malik radiallahu an and he used to the one who would work for the Prophet Sallallahu or tend to the affairs of the Prophet Sallallahu So the Prophet Sallallahu confided in him a matter of secrecy. And Anas, he said that Um Sulaim asked him about the matter. Anyone knows um, um Sulaim is? That's his mother. That's Anas' mother. Radiallahu anhuma. She asked him about what did the Prophet say to you? He didn't even tell her. And this is his mother. Which goes to show the importance of preserving the trust. Even after the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Anas didn't tell anyone. And that's what he mentioned. فَمَا أَخْبَرْتُ بِهِ أَحَدًا بَعْدَهِ I did not inform anyone after him. Meaning even after his death, Anas bin Malik, radiallahu an, he did not inform anyone about that which the Prophet Sallallahu confided in. And this is the true mannerisms of Islam. That a Muslim is the one who preserves the trust. And when someone confides in you a matter, then it is not for you to disclose that affair to anyone. Because that will be considered a breach of the trust. Throughout the, the text from the Quran and the Sunnah and from that which we read from the lives of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een we see the importance of the preservation of the amana. Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, "Qala aflah al-mu'minun." Successful indeed are the believers. Waalaikumussalam. And then Allah He mentions characteristics of the believers. One of those characteristics, "Waladina hum li-amanatihim wa ahdihim ra'un." And those who preserve and guard the trust in their covenants. So from the characteristics of the believers who are successful is that they guard and preserve the amana, the trust and their covenants. <coughs> the scholars they mentioned that the amana 
It consists of everything that Allah Azza wa Jal has commanded you to preserve. And also that which enters into the preservation of the amana is preserving and protecting your body parts from doing anything and everything that Allah is not pleased with. That's a part of the amana. Also a part of the amana is preserving the things that people have entrusted you with. This is also a part of the amana. So we have an amana as it relates to the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah he mentions in the عرضنا الأمانة على السماوات والأرض والجبال. That indeed we presented the amana to the heavens and the earth and the mountains. Allah says He presented the amana to, to them or to these these matters in creation. فأبينا أن يحملناها but they refuse to carry the responsibility. minha, And they were afraid to carry this responsibility. insan, But mankind took on the responsibility. Innahu kana zuluman jahula. Indeed, mankind is oppressive and ignorant. The scholars, they say, was intended here by the amana. Is that Allah Azza wa Jal presented to the heavens and the earth and the mountains to take on the responsibility of worshipping Him, fulfilling the commandments and staying away from the prohibitions. This was the amana that was presented. However, the heavens and the earth and the mountains, they didn't want that responsibility. Meaning being responsible for the commandments that Allah sends down. And being responsible for staying away from the prohib. They refused it. But mankind, out of ignorance and out of oppression... <coughs> We took on the responsibility. And this is also out of weakness and ignorance. Except for those whom Allah has given success to, to fulfill the trust. So that's in relation to the amana between mankind and Allah Azza wa Jal, the Creator. <coughs> but then you have the amana that is between the people. And it is a must, Barakallah Fikum, that we maintain 
those trusts that are between the people. And there are matters that people overlook. Like in this case in the hadith. That someone confides in you a private or personal matter. And then the person goes and tells someone else. This is a breach of the amana. If someone comes to you and speaks to you privately, the origin is that that is a trust. And this is based upon the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu anhuma qala qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam idha haddatha ar-rajul bil hadith thumma iltafata fahiya amana rawahu abu dawood wa tirmidhi Jabir ibn Abdullah mentioned that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said that when the person speaks with speech, I mean like a person speaks to you with speech, and then he turns and looks, it is in a manner. What is intended here by he turns and looks? To see if somebody is there listening, because what he's telling you is what? It's private. But if he doesn't say it, it's private. It's but the origin is that it's private still. That's the origin. That's the, or- the origin is not that you can tell somebody what somebody has told you. you do not tell the origin is that you don't tell anybody. Unless the person says, I don't mind if you, oh, okay. or you seek permission. Can I mention this to some? But the origin is that when a person comes to speak to you, and it's private speech, this is an amount. Different from like a, a, a setting like here. Okay, I'm speaking to you, but this is not private. This is a public general class. Uh, a reminder is being given. We're speaking about verses from the Quran, a hadith of the Prophet. This is not private. Anyone can leave here and say, I was at the masjid and there was a speech and this was mentioned. No breach of the amana. This is public. But now, if I said, Shaykh, can I speak to you a minute in the office? That's an amana. Or if you say, uh, Abu Yusuf, when we finish the salat, take a walk with me, I want to talk to you. And we go walk around. That's private. That's private. So one should not feel comfortable or feel at ease to spread private speech that's between you and your brother in Islam. Or you and your sister in Al-Islam. Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, la takhunu Allah wa rasul wa takhunu amanatikum wa antum ta'alamun. O you who believe, do not betray Allah and the Messenger, and do not betray the trust that you have with one another while you know better. Prohibition. Betrayal of the trust is forbidden in Al-Islam and it is one of those things that it uh, causes one's Iman to be deficient. Because 
Allah, He is speaking to the believers. O you who believe. So this is fulfilling the amana is a part of iman. Is a part of iman. And not fulfilling the amana, then it is from those things that tarnish the person's iman. Another matter that people fall into as it relates to the breach of the amana is the amana that is between the husband and wife. We have the narration on Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu an. Qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Inna min asharrin nasi indallahi manzilatan yawma al-qiyama Ar-rajul yufdi ila muraatihi wa tufdi ilayhi ثُمَّ يَنْشُرُ السِّرَّهَا This narration is collected in the Sahih of Imam Muslim. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu an he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated Indeed, from the worst of the people, or the most evil of the people with Allah, as it relates to their status on the day of judgment, the man who goes to his wife, and he has relations with her, and she has relations with him, and then afterwards, he goes and spreads her secrets. Meaning you have from amongst the people those who speak about their private intimate affairs between them and their spouse. This is haram. It's not allowed for a man as an example. A brother he gets married. Alhamdulillah, he gets married, sister gets married, mashaAllah, they go and consummate the marriage, afterwards they have the walima. It's not permissible for the brother as he's sitting with the brothers at the walima to start talking about how the situation was with his wife on the first night. It's not allowed. That's a private affair. No man should be informing other men of how his intimacy is with his wife. And likewise, no wife should be informing other women about how her intimacy is with her husband, nor with the opposite sex. This is a matter that's a trust between the husband and the wife. This is not something that should be the talk of the sisters' gatherings when they, you know, go over to another sister home and you know they have a sisters' gathering and and the likes, and then now they're speaking about their activities with their husbands when they are being intimate with them, or when the brothers are hanging out 
and spending time with one another, the men should not be speaking about what they do with their wives. This is inappropriate. Rather, this is a major sin. This is from the Kabirah and the Kabai. Why? It's a major sin. Why? Look, look why it's a major sin. Inna min nas. Indeed, from the most evil of the people. With Allah, as it relates to their status on the Day of Judgment. That statement, the most evil of the people, for sure, for sure, is a major sin. Not just evil, but the most evil of the people. That's a serious statement. That you will be the ones who do this. They are from the most evil of the people. So this shows and indicates that this is not something that is allowed. And even if the marriage doesn't work out. It doesn't open the door now for the brother to go talk about what the sister used to do with him privately. Or what the sister, or the sister speaks about what the brother used to do with her privately. It's still in the manner. Unless there is a legislative benefit in doing so. An example, the Prophet was approached as it relates to a man having relations with his wife but there is no exiting of the seminal fluid so now the prophet sallallahu He's being asked about a matter of intimacy. And this is while he is in his home. And his wife Aisha radiallahu anha, she was present. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He informed the individual That this happens with between me and her But the purpose here is not for what? Spreading his private business with his wife but it was to, for the purpose of clarifying a rule. It was for the purpose of clarifying a rule. So the scholars, they mentioned, there was a legislative uh, benefit. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioning, which is normally a private affair. 
for a legislative benefit. So the, the scholars, they say, if there is a benefit, a legislative benefit, in spreading something that normally is private between a man and a woman, it's allowed. The hadith is on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha. قالت إن رجلا سأل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أن الرجل يجامع أهله ثم يقسل هل عليهم الغسل وعائشة جالسة فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إني لا أفعل ذلك وأنا وهذه ثم نغتسل Pass me a Sahih Muslim Hadith number 350 Hadith year 350 It should be Let me see Check the front So Aisha mentioned that a man came and asked the Prophet wasallam a question. And this question had to do with intimacy. And this is hadith number uh, 350 from Sahih Muslim, uh, Kitabul Hayd. In the English, uh, volume 1, page 462. So the man, he, he, he said to the Prophet Sallallahu What is the situation of a man who has relations with his wife and he does not ejaculate do they have to make a ghusl? and Aisha she's sitting there as it mentioned well, Aisha Jalisa so the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said indeed me and this one, we do this. And then afterwards, we make a ghusl. Meaning sometimes the Messenger wasallam had relations with Aisha, and he did not ejaculate. And another, a number of things can be extracted from that, but as it relates to the preservation of the amana as it relates, as it is concerning between the privacy of a man and a woman or husband and wife. Here the Prophet Sallallahu spoke about a private matter between him and his wife, Aisha. But there's a reason why he's speaking about it. A legislative reason. The reason here is not to just put his business 
out of or out to the public or to the people of what he's doing with his wife behind closed doors. And sisters should be, as well as brothers, should be careful, especially with the newly married couples. Don't go to them after the night of consummation and say, how was it? Don't do that. Because that's not your concern. Don't ask the sister, how was he? And then she starts going into graphic details or going to, this is not allowed in Islam. Likewise, we shouldn't ask a brother, how was it? Rather, we make dua for him. That Allah blesses him and his wife and blesses them in their union. But we should not be asking brothers and sisters, how was it? See, that's from the affairs of Jahiliyyah. This is from the mannerisms of the kuffar. That they speak about their private lives as it relates to intimacy uh, with their spouses. Islam doesn't allow this because this is in a manner. Because in speaking about these things without right or without uh, justification in Islam, this can lead to evil. From the evils that it can lead to is stirring up the desires of the people who you are talking about for your spouse. If a man goes and describes how his wife looks and how she was and what she did and what to another man, you're stirring up his desires. So now this opens the door for shaitan to make him to wonder about what it would be like. And then you know, you never know, this person may be weak in faith. And then now this individual goes to your house when you're at work. He makes up an excuse. Oh, I didn't know. And then he's looking for a way in. You never know. Shaitan is real and the whispers are real. Or the evil eye. Person can give a person the aim. And other than that, so, these are matters that the Prophet ﷺ forbade. That a man or a woman spreads that which takes place privately behind closed doors. Except in this case or in a case where there is a legislative benefit. And Imam Al-Nawawi, he commented on this hadith. He said, Fihi jawaz dhikr mithli hadha or mithla hadha bi hadrat al-zawja idha taratabat alayhi maslaha wa lam yahsul bihi adha wa innama قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بهذه العبارة ليكون أوقع في نفسه. Imam Nawawi he said in this narration, you have the permissibility of mentioning the likes of this affair in the presence of the wife when there is a benefit that's going to come from that. And there is not going to be any harm. 
And indeed, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he only said this using this terminology in order for it to have more of an effect upon that individual, because the questioner he he's, he has doubt. Okay, there wasn't an, an ejaculation. Does he have to make ghusl still? So the Prophet sallallahu mentioned himself. I do this with her, and then we make a ghusl. To show, yes, you have to make the ghusl. As in the beginning, as it relates to that ruling itself, in the beginning when a man had relations with his wife, and he did not ejaculate, he did not have to make a ghusl. This was the rule in the beginning. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he mentioned Indeed water is from water. And what's intended by water being from water is that the water of Ghusl becomes obligated when there is the seminal fluid, the water of seminal fluid coming out of the individual. So that was the rule in the beginning that if a man had relations with his wife but he did not ejaculate he did not have to make ghusl you only had to make ghusl if there was the the ejaculation but then later on that was abrogated that rule was abrogated because another hadith came that states the opposite of that and one time the sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een they, 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 they debated about this issue And some companions were saying the person has to make ghusl. If a man enters into the woman, <coughs> the person has to make ghusl. Then other sahabas were saying that the person does not have to make ghusl if there was no ejaculation. So they debated and then they went to Aisha radiallahu anha.
So, Aisha radiallahu anha, and this hadith is also in Sahih Muslim, is hadith 349, the one before the other one. And for the for time's sake, it was narrated that Abu Musa said, a group of the Muhajireen and Ansar, they differed concerning that. Meaning, whether or not a man has to make ghusl. If he penetrates her, his wife, but there is no ejaculation. Some said ghusl is not mandatory unless semen spurts forth or there is water. The emission of the seminal fluid. The Muhajirun said when he has intercourse, it's mandatory he has to make the ghusl. Whether or not there was an emission of sperm. So Abu Musa said, I will answer you concerning that. So here we have two groups of Sahaba, they are differing. So he said, I went and asked permission to enter upon Aisha radiallahu anha. And permission was granted to me. And I said, Ya Ummah, O Ya Umm al O Mother of the Believers, Inni Urid an As'alaki an Shay'an. Indeed, I want to ask you about something. Wa inni astahik, but I'm, I'm shy to ask you. فَقَالَتْ لَا تَسْتَحِي أَنْ تَسْأَلَنِي أَمَّا كُنْتَ سَائِلًا عَنْهُ أُمَّكَ الَّتِي وَلَدَتْكَ فَإِنَّمَا أَنَا أُمُّكَ She said to him, do not be shy to ask me about anything that you will ask your mother about who has given birth to you, for indeed I'm also your mother. So he said, فَمَا يُجِبُ الْغُسُلِ He says, so what obligates the ghusl? قَالَتْ عَلَى الْخَبِيرِ سَقَطْ She says, you have come to one who has experience. What does this mean? You have come to one who has experience. Huh? She has the answer. She has the answer. You have come to one who has experience. She has the answer. How does she have the answer? Huh? She had experience about it. But she, experience with who? With the Prophet. With the Prophet. She learned from him directly. When you when dealing with like these affairs of the inner affairs of the Prophet and matters in the home, you find Aisha being the most knowledgeable of them of, of the people. For sure, because she lived with the Prophet wasallam, you know, and this is one of the benefits in her being younger than the other wives is that she retained more of, of the narrations. But she was young; she was younger, you know, so she was like, you know, we say the youth are like sponges; they soak, they soak everything in. She retained more, so she said, "Radiyallahu anha." قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا جلس بين شعبها الأربع ومس الخيتان الخيتان 
فقد وجب الغسل. She said the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said that when the circumcised parts touch one another, or when the, before that, when the man lays down between the four parts of the woman, and the two and the circumcised parts touch one another, then the ghusl is obligated. There is another narration on the authority of Abi Huraira and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam call إِذَا جَلَسَ بَيْنَ شُعْبِهَا الْأَرْبَعْ ثُمَّ جَهَدَهَا فَقَدْ وَجَبَ عَلَيْهِ الْغُسُلْ وَفِي حَدِيثِ مَطَرْ وَإِنْ لَمْ يُنْزِلْ Abu Huraira radiallahu an mentioned that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he stated that when the man lays down between the four parts of the woman and then he exerts himself uh, into her that the ghusl becomes obligatory. And then one narration says, even if he did not ejaculate. But the point of the shahid is that that rule at one time was, it was not obligatory to make ghusl. And then it became abrogated. But there were some companions, as we see, even after the death of the Prophet wasallam, they did not know. After his death, because they went to Aisha. Obviously, the Prophet is not around, said so because if he was alive, they would just go to him. As Allah mentioned, and if you differ in anything, then what? Return him back to Allah and the Messenger. In his lifetime, you go back to him. So clearly, them going back to Aisha is an indication that he wasn't alive. It's an indication that the Prophet ﷺ, he wasn't alive, he passed away. But the knowledge is still present. The sunnah is still present amongst the people. And Aisha ﷺ, she is from the scholars in that time. She was, she's the greatest female scholar to ever live from the Muslim Ummah. So, and this is also a private affair. This is also a private affair, so Abu, uh, Abu Musa, he goes to Aisha radiallahu anha, and she says, you have come to one who has experience regarding this matter, because she experienced with, with the Prophet as the other hadith mentions. When the man asked, the Prophet said, Mia, we do this. Or I do this with her, and then we take, we make a ghusl together. So the point, barakallahu fikum, in the Prophet mentioning that which took place from a private affair between him and Aisha, uh, radiallahu anha, there was an, there was a reason for him mentioning that. So in this case, it is allowed. But normally, it is not allowed for a man or a woman to mention that which they do privately between one another.
Naam. So this is a matter, Barakallah Fikum, that the spouses must be aware of, that is not permissible to talk about that which takes place in the privacy of their home as it relates to intimacy and other than that also. Other than that also because normally what happens in the home is to be kept in the home and not to be spread amongst people. There is another narration On the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam This narration is in the The narration is in the Sunan of Abi Dawood. And this hadith is on the authority of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhuma and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called Al-Majalis bil-Amana Al-Majalis bil-Amana Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhi mentioned that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he stated that the sittings are a trust. The scholars, they say, that the sittings or the gatherings that take place between people, it is upon the person to preserve and guard the speech which took place in that gathering. He should not spread it, nor make it known. Especially those gatherings where it is required from a person to keep the matter private, or the private gatherings dealing with specific issues. Like gatherings that are between, let's say, board members or family members or the likes of that. That's private. That's the origin. That is private. A man has a gathering with his family in the home. That's private. The masjid, the board, they have a meeting. That's private. Or... There is a business, the CEO has a meeting with the, the supervisors and the manager, that's private. It's private. It is not permissible for any of the members of this gathering to go out and spread the private conversations that took place in the gathering. Because if someone was to spread these affairs, 
this could lead to enmity and hatred between the people now. Because something might have been said privately, which normally would not be said publicly, but it's a reason why they're mentioning it privately. But now a person goes and spread that information publicly. So now the person who spread the information is disliked by those who the information was spread on. So what is obligatory upon the people is to refrain from spreading the private conversations which took place in the gathering. Except for those matters which are required to be made public. Then this does not enter into the prohibition. Example The board members of a company have a private meeting Things are discussed But also was discussed in that private meeting That there's going to be changes as it relates to The work detail for the employees Okay, that has to be mentioned But not the other stuff you mentioned what's needed to be mentioned. Okay, there's a private meeting and uh, a decision was reached that a certain individual is going to be removed from one position and putting another or a certain individual is being terminated and this individual is no, no, no longer welcomed on the premises. Okay, that news has to be spread to the people. But the other things... Are to remain private and silent. So the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Al Majalis bin Amana that the sittings are a trust. And in that which takes place in the sitting from the affairs, they must be kept private. And they are not to be made public or they are not to be spread. Except in the case, as one word he mentioned, المجالس بالأمانة إلا ثلاثة that the gatherings are a trust except for three kinds of gatherings سفك دم حرام أو فرج حرام أو اقتطاع مال بغير حق except for a gathering that has within it the shedding of sacred blood or the violation of a sacred private or the cutting off of someone's wealth without right. The scholars they say what means what is meant or intended by this, if there takes place in the gathering a person who's saying that he's going to do an act of evil. 
then in this case, this can be spread for the protection of the people. There's a gathering, and a person says, I'm going to rob so-and-so. I don't like him. Say, this is haram. You can't do this. No, man, I'm going to rob him. And then he get up and walks out. We can put the individual, the people who he said he's going to rob on alert. The authorities can be alerted so, so that this is prevented, that someone's wealth is not violated. The person now cannot say, the Prophet said, Al-Majalis Bil-Amana, that the, the gatherings are a trust. I said that to y'all in a private meeting. No, 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 no. But you you saying that you have the intention to go out and cause harm to someone. So this is not something that can be kept private. You see? And this is from the beauty of Al-Islam. This is from the beauty of the deen. That the deen does not condone any type of violation of people's rights and people's property and people's honor or the violation of the private parts and the likes. Or if a person, he goes out and he says, I'm going to commit zina with so-and-so's wife. No, this matter has to be mentioned so that the people can be on alert. Or any other type of prohibited affair where some harm can come about, then in this case, this does not fall under the hadith of it being in a manner that cannot be spread. So the scholars, they say, the gatherings are a trust, yes. However, there are exceptions to that rule. And it is that which can be a harm or a danger to someone. And we cannot be quiet about this. It's not befitting to be quiet about it because someone can be hurt. Or it can lead to a great harm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions showing the importance of fulfilling the amana. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تُؤَدُّ الْأَمَانَاتِ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهَا Indeed, Allah commands you to fulfill the trust with His people. Indeed, Allah commands you to fulfill the trust with its people. So the fulfillment of the amana is a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And breaking the amana, it is from the signs of hypocrisy. From nifaq. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, Ayatul Munafiq Thalath. The sign of the hypocrite is three things. Ida haddatha kadaba. Wa ida wa'ada akhlafa wa ida tumina khan. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, the sign of the hypocrite is three. When he speaks, he lies. When he makes a promise, he breaks the promise. And when he is entrusted, he breaks the, he betrays the trust. Another narration, the Prophet ﷺ said, Arba' man kunna fihi kana munafikan khalisan. Wa man kanat fihi khaslatun min hunna kanat fihi khaslatun min al-nifaq. Hatta yada'aha. There are four matters. Whoever has these four matters within himself, he is truly a hypocrite. Meaning he truly has the traits of a hypocrite. Not that he is a hypocrite with the major hypocrisy. But meaning he truly has the traits of hypocrisy. But whoever has a trait from the traits of hypocrisy, then he has within him a trait of hypocrisy. Until he abandons it. When he is entrusted, he breaks the trust or betrays the trust. When he speaks, he lies. And when he covenant, he breaches the covenant. And when he argues, he's corrupt in his argumentation. And what's meant by he is corrupt in his argumentation, meaning he is a person who when he argues, he's verbally abusive. Or when he argues, he knows he's wrong, but he still argues. And he lies to make himself look right. This is from the traits and the signs of hypocrisy. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He mentions And this narration is on the authority of Abi Huraira radiallahu an إِذَا دُوِّعَتِ الْأَمَانَ فَانْتَظِرَ السَّاعَةِ That when the trust is lost Then wait for the hour to be established When the people no longer fulfill their trust and they betray the trust, this is from the signs of Yom Qiyamah being near, or that the hour is near. It was said, how is the trust wasted, O Messenger of Allah? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, إِذَا أُسْنِدَ الْأَمْرِ إِلَىٰ غَيْرِ أَهْلِهِ فَانْتَظِرِ السَّاعَةِ That when matters, or when the affair is given to other than those who are suitable to be responsible for that affair, then wait for the hour. Meaning when people are trusted with matters who are not to be trusted. This is a sign 
of the hour. This is an advice to public affairs? Anything. It's a general statement. When responsibilities or matters are given to those who are not deserving of them. People being put in positions that they do not deserve. People being trusted who are not to be trusted. And this is from the signs of the last day or the hour to come. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned that there will be years of deception. And during this time, what will take place? The liar will be considered truthful. And the truthful will be considered a liar. And we have that. We have that. We see that in this time. You know, individuals portraying the image of righteousness, men and women. Brothers portraying righteousness, they outwardly appear with the look of the sunnah, but the person is corrupt. The person is a person of innovation who tries to hide his innovation. But he cannot hide his friends. Person of innovation can hide his innovation, but he cannot hide the people who he's associated with. Or person he comes in, in the garb of, of the sunnah, but he's an enemy of the sunnah, an enemy of the scholars of the sunnah. Or person comes in the garb of the sunnah, but he's a criminal. Or sister, she comes in niqab and jilbab and She's crying and she's oppressed, but when you investigate the story, she's the wrongdoer. She's the criminal. She's the liar. But the people look at it the opposite way. No, she's true. Look at the sister. She's crying. Okay, crying doesn't mean that somebody's telling the truth. Doesn't mean she's telling the truth. And a woman being the first one to raise the case doesn't mean she's the truthful one. Look at the, the wife of the Aziz. She was the one who made an advance at Yusuf. And then when he's running away from her and then her husband comes with the one that was with him, she raises the case. What, what's the punishment for the one who tries to do evil with your family? It's in the Quran. And she's, the, and she's the criminal in this case. She's the one who did wrong in this case. So the point, Barakallah Fikum, when the trust is gone, when it's lost, the Prophet said, wait for the hour to be established. And without a doubt, we are living in a time where the trust is lost. As an example, a woman, she marries a man. And she trusts this man to be her guardian and, and her protector. And then when the woman goes to work, the man is doing inappropriate things to her children. How many times we see this in the news? The trust is gone. People are not trustworthy in these days and times like that. Or the opposite, the man is going out to work 
and he's busting his behind working hard to do the best he can for his family and the woman has another man in the house while he how many times we hear these things the trust is the amana is gone amongst the people or when people invest their money in things and then all of the people lose their investments because of the people who are on the inside being corrupt and embezzling the wealth of the people and the likes and then do some type of scam to tell the people their money is lost but they took all the money. I mean, there are many examples that can be given of how in these days and times people are trusted who don't have the right to be trusted. But It's not like before where the people on a wide scale were honorable and the likes. It's not like that anymore. We don't live in those times anymore. So we have to be careful as it relates to who we entrust people uh, with the trust. The Prophet وسلم, he was a trustworthy man. Look how trustworthy the Prophet was, وسلم, that he was entrusted with some things by the disbelievers. Right? And they persecuted him. For his practice of Islam, calling to Islam, and persecuted the Muslims. But before he left Mecca to migrate to Medina, those matters that were given to him that he was entrusted with, he returned them back to those people, the same people who were persecuting him. If it was us, if somebody said, listen, hold on to this $5,000. And then that person, you know, did something wrong to us. We keeping that $5,000. That's how the people think. <laughs> this is payment for what you did to me. This is how people think in this day and time. Right? That's, how, that's how we are as a people. He ain't getting that money back. See my eye? See what he did? You heard what he said about me? Muslims, Muslims were killed in Mecca. For la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Prophet still returned. That what he was entrusted with back to the people. The Prophet's character was, was impeccable, was infallible, man. You know, subhanAllah wa bihamdihi. As Allah mentions, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقًا عَظِيمٌ Indeed, you are upon exalted character. The Prophet had the best character. He, you know, his character was the, the epitome of good character as from any human being. He's the perfect example for us. And this is why Allah has made him the role model for all of mankind. Not just the Muslims, but he's the role model for all of mankind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is it time? 
nine minutes time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He commanded, okay, that's fine, with the fulfillment of the amana. And the origin of a command from Allah is obligation. That's the origin. Whenever Allah commands you something, the origin is that this act is obligatory. Just like when Allah uh, prohibits something, the origin is forbidden. Unless there is a proof or a text that will remove it from being an obligation to a recommendation or from uh, forbidden to a dislike. If we have violated the amana, it's upon us to rectify the affair now with those whom we violated the amana with. Abu Huraira radiallahu an, he stated, Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Man kanat lahu mazlamatun li ahadin min urdihi aw shay'in, Fal-yatahal-lal-hu-min-hu-al-yawm-qabla-an-la-yakun-dinar-wala-dirham-in-kana-lahu-amalun-salihun-uqidha-min-hu-bi-qadri-mazlamatihi-wa-in-lam-tak
that there is no faith for the one who does not fulfill the trust. There is no faith for the one who does not fulfill the trust. This statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The Prophet here is negating the completion of faith for the one who does not fulfill the trust. And this is an indication that this is a major sin. When you breach or when Iman is being negated in a narration, this is an indication that the sin is a major sin. So here, those who do not fulfill the trust, then the Prophet said there's no faith for them. Not meaning that the person is a kafir, for that would be from the understanding of the khawarij, that when people commit major sins that they are disbelievers, no. But the meaning that is intended here is that the person is deficient in his iman. The person is deficient in faith. And the negation of iman is a negation of the completeness of faith and not the origin of faith. So the person who does not fulfill the trust is not a complete believer. But that's an indication that this is a major sin because the Prophet negated iman from this person, meaning the completeness of iman. Inshallah ta'ala, I'll stop at this point, whatever is correct. The praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And whatever is incorrect, it is for myself. Subhanakallah, bihamdika, shadu wa la ilaha ila anta, astaghfiruhu wa